Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today we interview Sandra Pelletier. Sandra is the CEO of EvoFem Biosciences, a biopharmaceutical company developing innovative women's sexual and reproductive health products. In September 2020, so very recently, Sandra led the successful launch of Fexi, the first and only FDA-approved non-hormonal female-controlled on-demand prescription contraception vaginal gel. Sandra is also advancing the company's pipeline product, Evo 100, into phase three clinical trials for the prevention of urogenital chlamydia and gonorrhea in women. During her tenure, Sandra has led multiple equity financing rounds, raising more than $400 million in capital. Whoa. Prior to joining EvoFem, Sandra founded uh, WCG, a global nonprofit organization focused on creating access to reproductive health products in over 100 developing countries. Sandra herself is a breast cancer survivor, a single mother, a published author, skilled moderator, and coveted keynote speaker. She was recently named Inc. Magazine's 2020 Female Founders. There was only 100 that they picked around the world, and she was one of them, and we got her on the show, y'all. To learn more about EvoFem and their non-hormonal contraception gel, Fexi, visit www.evofem.com. Sandra and I had so much fun recording this interview. You're going to love it. Fexi is a new FDA-approved non-hormonal vaginal gel used as an on-demand method of contraception. Fexi is not effective for the prevention of pregnancy when used after sex. Avoid using Fexi if you have had recurrent urinary tract infections. You or your partner are allergic to any of the ingredients of Fexi or use a vaginal ring. Fexi may cause serious side effects including bladder infection and acute kidney infection. The most common side effects of Fexi are vaginal burning and itching. Fexi does not protect against sexually transmitted infections including HIV. Please visit Fexi.com for full information on use and risks. Hey, Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you for having me. I am super in love with your shirt right now. Tell our listeners what you're wearing. I'm wearing my feminist shirt, and I'm wearing it because I don't think feminism is a dirty word. In fact, it's just really about equality. Equality. And I'm really, yes, I wear it loud and proud and, and thank you for saying that. I, I love guess. it I also thank love you. that it has a rainbow underneath of it I don't know if it has a second meaning but I personally I like that me too thank you oh my gosh awesome yeah I'm wearing like a professional shirt next time I'm definitely gonna wear my like feminist attire um <laughs> I know but you have on red lipstick and it looks awesome by the way so I thank like you. it thank you well I am really quite honored to grab a few minutes of your time you are a very successful woman in femtech I'm honored to have you on the show why don't you uh start off by telling our listeners a little bit about you you know we like right. to know our guests and their background we normally don't grow up saying we want to be in femtech somehow we end up here right so tell us your story yeah, thank you for asking. So 
So here's what I would start out and say. So I would say that based on my shirt, I am a feminist because I really do believe in equality. And second, I am a CEO of a publicly traded company. You're going to hear more about today called Empofem Biosciences. And our company is absolutely rooted and our whole footprint is around bringing innovations to the market for women that really solve unmet needs. I'm also a single mother of a 13-year-old boy, and I hope, fingers crossed, that I'm raising a gentleman and a feminist. And, I, um, and I'm also a cancer conqueror. And I say cancer conqueror because I was, I, I basically conquered very late stage, very aggressive cancer two years ago. Mm. And I still maintain running my company, but I have a lot of gratitude. I'm doing more than surviving. That's why I don't say I'm yeah. a cancer survivor. So I have gratitude that I'm here for my son and that I'm here because I love my company. And um, finally, I would say that I really am a fierce advocate for women, not just women who are loud and proud, but for the women who are invisible, who don't have a voice. And that really came from, you know, and I won't be too long and verbose on this, but I started growing up in the most rural city in the United States, a place called Caribou, Maine. It's the furthest point you can fly to from where I live now in San Diego, and it's on the border of Canada. And there was a lot of welfare and a lot of domestic violence and a lot of, you know, alcoholism. And But girls were really told they had two choices. It was who they married and how many kids they were going to have. It was never suggested that we should be leaders. It was never suggested that we should have careers of our own. Our wants and desires and dreams were all about supporting whatever male partner we chose. Oh, and yeah. And so for me, I really do believe that it has been suggested to women that there's nobility in putting ourselves second. And I think that's wrong. And yeah. so, so part of a big part of who I am, like you said, sometimes what we choose chooses us. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in FemTech because I believe that I want my footprint to really be about empowering women. And I believe the best way I can do it is to use my expertise and my passion to really make women feel good about their choices. And we're doing that with innovative medical choices. So I'm really excited. Oh my to talk God. To you more about if you weren't my hero before, you certainly are now. Thank <laughs> oh you. My gosh. <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, I love asking our guests about their personal background because um, secretly I'm actually running a, a internal experiment because I think that the best founders are ones that have experienced trial and tribulation and trauma, honestly. You know, like if you have PTSD, running a company is very comfortable. You know, like, totally. you know? That's so, true. so many of our guests come on and they're like, yeah, my upbringing, pretty crazy. Like, yeah, my experience is pretty rough, but here I am rocking this company. And I'm like, there it is again. So what I just want to tell our listeners is that, you know, if you are, maybe you're an adolescent in a home that doesn't feel supportive, or maybe you, you know, just got kicked out of college because you're struggling with alcohol, or, you know, your story doesn't seem like it's the straight path. You're actually on the path. You're on the path. Keep going. Um, we did that too, <laughs> you know, in our you own ways. That, I really mean this. That like kind of gave me like goosebumps because look, nobody ever thought I was ever getting out of Caribou, Maine. Nobody ever, I was told what I wasn't and what I couldn't be and what I couldn't do so many times and find, you know, and what was so wonderful to your point, my path was so rocky and so circuitous <laughs> and right in the end, we have to believe that we decide what we deserve. Yeah. We decide what oh we my deserve, gosh, I right? love that. And so I, but you're right. I, I love that you give that message to people who wonder mm-hmm. like, where am I going to end up? 
trust me, you're going to end up where you decide you deserve you're going to end up, right? Shake all that bad stuff off, you know, because it's so important. Yes. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we're going to have another fangirl episode just about, I know we have to talk about like women's health today, but we're going to have another like women in leadership role episode. Um, well, that is incredible. And so, uh, you said you got into femtech. So is EvoFem the first femtech company you got into, or was there other ones before? Yeah, before. So I actually started out at a company that launched the first birth control pill ever in 1960. Um, So Searle, it was G.D. Searle then, is where I sort of grew up, if you will. That's where I kind of learned the the tricks of the trade. So I did every job. And literally what's also made me, I think, credible in running this company as we're building is that there's no job that people have done that I honestly have not done myself. Mm -hmm. And I made so many mistakes, but I had a lot of successes too. So I'm able, they talk to me and they know that they can't bullshit me, number one. (laughs) They know that it's like real conversations. I have to be honest, people love that. They want to know you've gotten your hands a little dirty, to your point, right? I've got some dents in my armor. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But yes, I started out at Searle and I was there for a really long time. And I did um, eight different jobs as I moved up the corporate ladder. And, um, And then I actually started a nonprofit focused on sustainable supply of contraception. And then I got to really lean into EvoFem in 2014 and became the CEO in 2015. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is so amazing. And founders or aspiring founders, you will be everything from the janitor to the CEO. (laughs) I have been our marketing manager. I have been our office decorator. I have been all the things, you know? (laughs) It's really true. I swear to God, we have our cleaning crew and I'm not joking. And I've never met them. And they literally said to me, oh, well, and I looked like, I think I might have worn my pajamas that day because nobody was in the office. Mm -hmm. And I was helping clear out all this stuff in our storage room. And they said, oh, well, you know, uh, asking all these questions. And they said, well, what do you do? And I said, and then finally I was like, oh, I'm the CEO. And they were like, what? You're emptying (laughs) the garbage bins? And I'm like, look, somebody has to do it. And it is, I am not above that. You know, this is, you got to do everything all the time. Even when you become the CEO, you still do it because it's the right thing to do, you know? I love it too. You know, I, I get bored easily. So I need to kind of be in everybody's stuff and do all the things. And, um, yeah, me too. So you joined EvoFem and they, at that point, are they still in like R and D of, uh, trying to find a non-hormonal birth control or are, were they already like set? Did they create it? No, they were. So the, the product Fexi came from Rush University. So what they really recognized was that the quickest way to get this asset to market was for contraception, because what it does, and you'll appreciate this because you're very clinical, is, and it's very simple. So a normal vaginal pH is 3.5 to 4.5. Once semen goes in, that pH rises to 7 or 8. So our product, Fexi, So you put it in right before sex or up to an hour before, and it just helps the vagina maintain normal pH, which makes it inhospitable to semen. But Rush University developed it, and then EvoFem, we have a global license to the product. And But when I joined, um, the company was run by all men. The board was all men, and they weren't really sure where they were going to take the product. Mm -hmm. And so what was wonderful and fortunate is that I had a very clear understanding that we needed to take this product to market for contraception for women because women, I have to be honest with you, they are saying to themselves, why would I put a hormone in my body every day? 
every week, every month, if I'm suffering, if I have weight gain and bloating and acne, or if I feel a little crazy, I don't feel like myself. So this product is the only non-hormonal drug that's a birth control product that women use only when they need it. It's the only one on the market. Yeah. And and, I'll, and the other thing I want to say, and I'll stop, is that think about this. Out of all the money and all the time and all the companies working in women's health, nobody has thought, wouldn't it be great to give women a non-hormonal <laughs> product that they only use when they have sex? When I say to you, and you know, maybe, you know, go ahead. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, maybe they did think about it, but I, what we run into at Femtech Focus is that people say, well, that's niche. Or, well, women really want that? I'm not sure. I think they're comfortable with the way it is, you know? And so it's like, we need to have these ideas and then also say, and this is really paramount, actually, you know? Well, and to your point, right? So two things. So one, listen to this staggering number. 21 million women in the United States right now are having sex. They're not using any form of hormonal birth control. So those are real side effects. But to your point, women are taught that we're supposed to deal with it, yeah. suffer through it, yeah. right? We're supposed to just, you know, deal with it ourselves. So men don't know. These male investors have said to me, women love, why are you doing this? <laughs> and once I said to them, honest to God, why don't you ask your wife or yeah. your daughter or your girlfriend? And I swear to you, Brittany, what's been amazing is these men have called me back and they said, Sandra, you're not going to believe this. And I'm smiling on the phone going, really? What would I believe? But like my wife said, why are you asking me now? All you cared about was having sex with me before. You didn't even care about my yeah. side effects. But it's amazing because women don't talk about that's it in right. these open forums, but it's real. Yep, and so right. you're right. No one's done it to your point because everybody thought, well, women are satisfied. Why do we have to do it? But when you talk to women, they say, we need this and we want it. That's right. Now, um, you know, our listeners know that I'm very open and they have probably heard on past episodes that I currently am on a birth control that lets me skip my period and I'm very happy with it. I feel good. I feel stable. This is my choice. Awesome. This is what I've awesome. been doing for a few years now. But I did have a span of about five years where I kept trying different pills and it wasn't right. And it was like, I was, I was trying some that like my breasts doubled in size when I had my period and it hurt. And I was like, what is I mean, I look great, but this hurts. Like, what is happening? You know, like, um, and, uh, and then, you know, and I did say this on another episode that one time I was in the process of changing pills and I got pregnant. And, you know, for me, I, I made the choice to not go through with that pregnancy, but that was a huge, huge life event because I was trying to figure out what pill worked for me and my body, you know, and it was like, this should not be the case. Like, to your point, right? And we say this, by the way, if a woman can and will use a hormone, awesome. You've got to do what's good for your body, right? You've got to do what's good for your life. And for example, like some people want fit and forget. So they want an Mm -hmm, IUD. mm -hmm. Great. Good. Awesome. But the one thing that we cared about is that these women who have said, look, this is not working for me and I need another option. And there is no, the only product that's prescription right now is a copper IUD. Copper, yeah. And a lot of women say, look, I don't want something I can't control. I don't want something that I can't take out of my body by myself. A provider mm-hmm. has to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's why Fexi was such an incredible and important innovation because women, well, to your point, you know what else people said to us? Oh, women aren't going to touch themselves. I said, hello, what about their period? They have been managing their periods and sometimes they were 12 years old every month. They use pads, they use tampons. Women, of course, are going to do that. So that's also been, I think, an important 
education, you yeah. know, to tell people. Yeah. And women, if you're not putting your fingers in your own vagina, please do. You let lots yes. of other things in there. Touch yourself. Yeah. Explore totally. it. Look in a mirror. Do it. It's a little uncomfortable, yeah. but shut the door, lock it, and get in there. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> can we back up to the science? I love yes. science. So pH. All right. So, um, you know, for our listeners, uh, pH is like, you know, orange juice is very acidic, right? And then the opposite yes. is like um, uh, like a base. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so, so you're telling me that when semen is, enters the vagina, the pH changes for the semen to live. Is it the semen itself that changes the pH or is it like the woman's body knows the semen's coming and it changes it itself? I, which, who does the action? The semen changes it. The semen so, does. So okay. the semen changes it. So when the semen comes in, that's what changes it. So then oh. her pH will go from 4.5, from anywhere between 3.5, it will go all the way up to seven or eight. Oh. And so... So the one thing is that, so once Bexy goes in, and for your listeners to know, so it's five milliliters, so a prescription is a box of 12. So when you get a 30-day supply, you get a box of 12 pre-filled applicators, and it's five milliliters in each applicator, and the gel is viscous. So what I mean by that is that it stays inside your vaginal cavity and it won't leak out. Women are not going to use something that leaks out. It's not runny, it's not leaky, it's very lubricating. But the point of me saying that is that, um, so once that goes into the vagina, that then creates this coating that maintains normal vaginal pH. Wow. I am like thinking a lot of things. Some of them are science. Some of them are sexual. There's lots of things in my mind right yeah. now, right? Like, um, so, you know, you're a public company and yes. is this available yet? Or, you know, it's, it's obviously yeah, so- going to be prescription, right? Yes. So we launched on September 8th. And so, so, so number one, women can go to their provider. Here's the interesting thing I want to tell you is that, yes, you can go to your provider. And typically the number one prescribers of this are OBGYNs, right? OBGYNs are, however, we have a website. So Fexi.com. So P-H-E-X-X-I. And let me tell you why. So pH, so we spelled it this way. <laughs> now I know why you spelled it. Right? With the pH, <laughs> manages pH, it. and the double X chromosome for women. So P-H-E-X-X-I, Fexi. Yes. I know, so go, I know me too. I love the name Fexi. <laughs> still you know my what? heart. Somebody on our own team, <laughs> a woman on our own team, I have to shout out to her name's Danielle. She's the one who came up with the name. Danielle, we you're all awesome. We all these other brand experts. Yes. Like, you know what? I think we should do this. And then we're like, oh my God, that's so obvious and smart. Why yeah, didn't we think of this? It. So, but if you go to Fexi.com, we also have this thing called a Fexi concierge program. And all that really means is anytime you go to a nice hotel, you want the concierge to tell you where to eat dinner and make your reservation and tell you how to get there. Yeah. So when a woman goes to Fexi.com, literally Brittany, three minutes to five minutes. It took me three minutes. I got my own prescription, honestly, to try it, to make sure, you know, yeah. to see yeah, how it went. Yeah. Of course. But it will either let women get telemedicine so they can have the prescription shipped right to their house Mm. or they can have their prescription sent to their pharmacy. And so it's very, very easy. If if telemedicine is the most responsive to contraception. And the other point is is regarding COVID, you know, people have said to us, you know, how can you be COVID proof? Well, what's great about being COVID proof is that one, telemedicine is already responsive to contraception, right? Two, women are home more they're actually taking an opportunity to be like, how do I really feel? You know, now that I can take a breath and take a beat and not running around with a thousand schedules and kids and all this stuff. 
So we've had more women say that during COVID, they've really thought about how they feel and what is making them not feel as good as they want to, which has been awesome because they're thinking more about, you know, is it makes sense if I don't have sex every day that I should take a hormone every day if I feel bad? You know, and to your point, if you feel good, awesome. But if you don't and you're not having sex every day, most women don't have sex every day. I mean, Mm -hmm. they really don't. Mm -hmm. So that's where women are concluding and saying, you know, does this really make sense anymore? Yeah. Do you know any statistics if there's more sex happening because of COVID? Well, so all I know is what people have said to us. So, for example, some of these pharmacy providers have Mm -hmm. said that their prescriptions for contraception are on the rise. Mm -hmm. So our data provider, IQVIA, has said that they've seen contraception prescriptions go up. So mostly because people are, and, you know, people have said, like the Consensus Bureau has said, they anticipate a lot more births from the start of COVID because people are home more, more opportunity to have sex, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I wish yeah. I was having more sex, by the way, but I am not. But I wish I was. Hopefully, that will change. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, uh, hit up Sonia. <laughs> um, you know, I love what you said about COVID. Is like kind of this time for women to kind of self reflect. So I was living in downtown Houston, and I actually just moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, because. <laughs> Sitting in my 700 square foot, one bedroom apartment in downtown Houston, I realized I'm not really that happy here in the city. And I've been saying for years that I love nature. And one day in the future, I'm going to choose myself and my own happiness and live in nature. And COVID was like the fire under my ass to be like, you know what? You deserve this right now. Like, you don't have to wait till retirement to live in nature. Like, go to the RTP Research Triangle, you know, and like. Be around it, you know, you. healthcare people and nature. So um, it's That's been really awesome. cool. Hmm. That's really cool. But it's true. You're right. When you have a minute, because sometimes you get so caught up in the frenzy of life, and particularly oh, women, yeah. like, we're the ones who make the world spin on its axis, right? Mm-hmm. I joke and I say, I literally say to some of my male investors, I say, listen, food magically appears in your refrigerator. Shampoo magically appears in your shower. The kids' schedules magically get handled. All of it's like magic. So if I had a wife, I could be the president. Okay, but I don't. I'm a single mother, and I'm not trying to make excuses. But come on, I got to do the both jobs. And I'm telling you, it's a it's crazy the stuff that women do while they're working too. You know, while they're running companies and while they're in their careers, and while their breasts have milk coming out of them, and all the things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. Well, that's the other thing I want to tell you is that women who are breastfeeding love Bexie because they don't want to have hormones in their breast milk. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I have a, a good friend right now and she's, you know, we talk, all my girlfriends know they can come to me with all the questions and the things. That's and awesome. so she was saying, yeah, I'm not on birth control yet because, you know, although my, my child is pretty much weaned off of milk, sometimes we still have that bond moment. And so I'm not going to be on the pill, but I am kind of nervous. I might get pregnant and like, we're not ready for that yet to have a second baby. And so that actually fits into that perfectly. Wow. What are some other reasons? I mean, so we talked about hormones having bad side effects. You shouldn't be on birth control if you're still trying to breastfeed. What are some other scenarios that someone would want to use Fexi instead of a hormone-based birth control? Well, I'll tell you something interesting. So in our study, so we had 1,300 patients, and the actually mean age of women in our study was actually 27. So the interesting part, when we say our sweet spot, it's really 25 to 35. Now, that doesn't mean that's the only user, of course, yeah. but 25 to 35, and they were in a 
they most of them were in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, what here's what I mean by that is so so Fuxy, a lot of these women, here's what I loved is that we had some investors say to me, well, because it's on demand and women can only use it when they need it, like a condom, maybe it will interrupt intimacy. And I would say, well, look, condoms don't interrupt intimacy. And by the way, some women who have vaginal dryness or pain with intercourse are already using lubrication as part of the whole pleasure moment. So this, you can use this as part of the pleasure moment to protect against pregnancy. And so, so that's been kind of, you know, an important part of the whole dynamic, you know, but also, you know, and this, we don't want to niche the product for this, but any women who are contraindicated for hormones, like anyone who's had cancer, you cannot use hormones. You can't use hormones. And so that's been a really important thing. But the biggest thing I would tell you is that these 21 million women, what has surprised us both. So when we did our study, we had 112 sites across the United States. Okay. So we had a lot of usage from providers. And what amazed them is that we had doctors literally say to us at first, they're like, we don't know if we're going to have any sexy patients. So we would say, okay, well, how about this? What about the fact that women who are breastfeeding? What about the women who are contraindicated? What about the women who are smokers? What about the women who say, I have tried all of these products and I have had side effects and you have them leave your office with a bag of condoms and the doctors would say to us, that doesn't make us feel good. And I said, it doesn't make the women feel good either. (laughs) Right? So there really is these 21 million women. Now, some of them, by the way, say things like, I'm worried about, I'm worried about my fertility. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I can get pregnant when I want to. And I don't want to do anything that would make me not do that. So therefore it's their own feeling. Mm -hmm. They don't want to use hormones. And then there are some people that say, look, I don't have hormones in my milk. I don't have it in my meat. I have, you know, paraben-free, hormone-free mm-hmm. food, paraben. I'm a holistic person. I do yoga. I'm really into this mind, body, spirit. And I'm certainly not going to put a hormone in my body if that's my lifestyle, right? Yeah. And then to your point, there are people who are spacing their pregnancies. They say they've had a baby or two. Mm-hmm. They know they want to have another one, but they don't want to go back on a hormone because they don't want to have to get it back in their body, then filter it out of their body before they yeah. get pregnant. So it's such a logical choice. And women don't win the condom negotiation, by the way, all the time either. You know, women say that to us. They say, look, as great as our partner is, they hate wearing condoms. Yeah. And so they don't win the condom negotiation. So they're saying, look, this is a way for me to protect myself, just like a man would have had a condom to protect himself on demand. Yes. So women yes. really like that part. I am um, like really so so excited about your product being a power move for women right it's their choice when they need it when they want it it's not like this daily thing that they need to just be like all right (laughs) capitalism and (laughs) like whatever i'm gonna gonna take my pill today you know it's it's on their time that's incredible how are you gonna get the word out to doctors for them to know i mean you had doctors like in your studies but now that it's like available yeah. So two things. So one, we did hire a sales force. Okay. So we have 70 people calling on OBGYNs and they're calling on the OBGYNs who are the highest prescribers. But we also hired people that have had a minimum of eight years experience in women's health. So they had relationships with the doctors, the nurses, their friends, they trust them. So for example, with COVID, like they're bringing a food truck to the parking lot. And <laughs> everybody in the office comes out, they're social distancing, yes. and they're doing a huge talk about Bexy, and they have a food truck. And so, so we have reps on the ground talking to doctors, but we also have a full integrated platform for doctors, just like we do for women. So the doctors are getting 
education online about how to counsel, who's the sexy woman. Mm. So less than 2% of patients discontinued because of side effects, which is huge. That's huge. Also, we have videos from some of our investigators talking to the doctors, and we have patients so that they can see what the patients think. So our education to doctors is very, very robust, so both online and in person. And so we really intend to make sure that, because what you don't want is a woman to go talk to a doctor and a doctor try to talk her out of it because they've never heard of the product. That's right. right? That would be terrible. Yep. So, you know, but women now are pretty uh, empowered. So women will say, this is what I want, and I'm not leaving until I get it, or they'll Mm -hmm. find a doctor to give it to them. But we want to make sure that doctors know. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. It's interesting. My mom has heard some of our episodes that were about a certain drug and she had gone to her gynecologist and her gynecologist didn't, hadn't heard about it yet, you know? And I, 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 that's, I'm not that kind of doctor. I know I'm the PhD kind. Please don't go into labor around me. I would not know how to, I'm just going to call 911. And so when my mom tells me that, I'm like, I don't know the process of how doctors find out about new drugs. So I'm glad that your team's being creative because this is this is so needed. And also, I want to uh, just jump back real quick to the investor saying, like, that's not intimate. If lubing up your woman is not, like, the intimate move before sex and, like, putting a raincoat on a, a red cock is, like, that's the ever- – no. Like, oh, my gosh, why are we so phallic-based, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. my God, why? <laughs> It's true. We're so phallic centered. I agree. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We need sexual education in this country so badly. Um, What's it like being a publicly traded, you know, vaginal cream, if you will. Right. Like, what is that like? What is the, do you hear from the public? Like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Talk to us about being a publicly traded company. So we became public through a reverse merger. And so and so just to touch on that, so if there are women out there listening and they are private and they want to become public, so the reason we became public is that we needed access to more capital. Yeah. And as a private company, we couldn't get enough investors as a private company. And we knew if we became public, we would have access to much different and much larger amounts of mm-hmm. investment. Mm-hmm. So we found, so there was a company that was public. They failed their clinical study. And they had to shut down their company, but they had already paid all the money to have a public show, right? So what was important and what I didn't know, this was quite an education, but I won't be too verbose. But (laughs) bottom line is, is that some of these shells, because they failed, the reason that you can do a reverse merger is because a failure had to happen. But sometimes the failure results in shareholder lawsuits, you know, big negative contentious things that you don't want to have to deal with if you take over the shell. So, but you want to find a shell that's sort of, quote, as clean as possible. So we found this shell where they had a couple of million dollars. They had a board that was completely motivated and a shareholder base that was motivated. They had no lawsuits. They had shut down all of the sites. They had laid off all the staff already. They just had a handful of people. So it was, like, amazing. So we were like, oh, my goodness, too good to be true, right? And by backed the way, up right up in there. <laughs> right. But we had looked at some shells, by the way, that had, like, clinical studies all over the world. Mm. You had to shut down all these clinical sites and so many lawsuits. So anyway, bottom line is, and like they had warehouses and buildings and staff. So that would just distract you. I mean, you would just lose all your focus. So we reverse merged into this shell and we became public. And so the the good of that was that it was a very fast way and a very cost-effective way to become public. 
Now, the bad of it is that we didn't go out and do this huge IPO so that everybody and their brother knew, knew about, about us it. and who yeah. we were. Yeah. So we were still invisible, although we were public. So we yeah. had to work extra hard, you know, to get noticed and to get investors. But still, in the end, I would say it's a very... It, it's a smart way to go public because it's very cost effective if you don't have a lot of money and you want to be public because the only way to get money sometimes is to become a public entity. That's right. So so we are now, thank goodness, at the other side of that. But even though it was challenging, it was worth it in the end. And I would do it again if I had to redo it. What's it like being a CEO of a publicly traded company? Because I've heard some uh, women talk about it before because there's not many there's not many women CEOs in public trade company and I've heard some women say it's tough because there is so much public attention on you um you seem like a woman who like just says what she wants to say and does what she wants to do so like um you remind me of myself I'm like if if I can you do it I could do it maybe then so what's it like you absolutely can do it, by the way, <laughs> trust me. Um, but so I, I look, I will tell you the truth. It is, it's, it's, um, it's very intense mm-hmm. and it's very nerve wracking. And why I say it's intense and nerve wracking, because there are, you will find that there are people who are uninformed. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. the loudest people are the most uninformed people. Usually, yes. And that is super hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so for me, so one, I would say, the sobering seriousness is this quarterly reporting, right? If you give any kind of guidance of what you're going to spend and what you're going to generate and you miss it, you're crushed. I mean, even if it's no fault of your own, like even if it was COVID and you can't get your product delivered and it's not your fault, you still get crushed, you know? So the tough part is, is, you are so transparent. It's almost like literally like you're naked every day. You're naked because people see everything you do and every decision, everything has to be public. So everything that's material, you have to put out in a press release, right? You have to inform everybody of everything you're doing. That's Mm -hmm. considered material. And so, so what it does is it makes you really do this serious self-evaluation of how you want to be portrayed and how good do you feel in your own skin? And what I mean by that is, to your point, I have been criticized for being too transparent. I have been criticized for uh, showing my emotional intelligence. So, for example, you know, there are times when I say, you know, that was really hurtful. That was not nice. It was not nice. And they say, well, a man would say that. I said, well, guess what? I'm not a man. Hello, I am not a man. Yeah. I have a vagina and I'm not a man. And that was not nice. And 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 so... But because I haven't apologized for it, so it's been interesting. To be honest, I think my reputation is still being, quote, written. Mm. Um, it, there's mixed view. I am an acquired taste, I'll be honest. I'm an acquired <laughs> taste. And I'm an acquired taste mostly because I I believe in radical transparency. I do. Yes. I really, really do. And if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Yeah. I am. And you might not like the answer, but if you asked me, I'm going to give you the courtesy and graciousness of giving you an answer. Now, I'm not going to offer it if you don't ask, because, yeah. you know, I don't want to upset people for no reason. Yeah. But but what I would say is that it, it changes your level of, it changes everything you say and everything you do, because everything gets judged. Yeah. And it's judged in a way that sometimes is really unfair, and you just have to take it. Mm-hmm. I always say you have to, your backbone had better be strong. Because um, if it isn't, you're going to have a lot of dark days. But if your backbone's strong and you know what to worry about and how to shake it off, final thing I'll say is I I really have learned the power of compartmentalization. Mm. I can compartmentalize the bad stuff people say. And they've said some bad stuff. And and some of these people have said bad stuff. 
unwarranted, unjustified, but they have said some, and called me some very inappropriate names, like Mm -hmm. way terrible names, but nothing a martini can't fix. Mm -hmm. So I make some strong (laughs) martinis and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shake that off. Well, Sandra, what are some future goals of EvoFem? Well, so we, after we have world domination, Oh my gosh, you really are my soul sister. Because I say world domination all the time. Not our royal method. After world domination, um, our chief commercial officer always says he hopes that Harvard Business Review will do a whole story about launching a company and launching an innovation during a pandemic. You know, how do you really do that effectively? So I'm hoping that happens. Um, And you know, and the other thing to your point, I'm actually really hoping that we're able to increase the dialogue around sexuality and around Mm -hmm. sex because all contraceptive marketing is fear-based you don't want to get pregnant you don't want to get pregnant you don't no one's ever talked the only reason you use contraception is because you're having sex you're having and pleasurable sex women should feel good right and so i'm hoping that we can really start helping build that the lack of shame you know the misinformation and so I'm really hoping that the future brings that we are part of that conversation, yeah. you know, really helping women and girls to talk about sexuality and what they're doing and intimacy yeah. in just a more open way, a dinner conversation way, you know, yeah. not taboo. Yeah. You know, that new song, WAP, that's out, right? Yeah. So I'm all for it, right? And I've been sharing these memes about like, you know, people are fine when men talk about it, but when women do, blah, blah, blah. But then I heard the um, pe- kids were starting to go back virtually to school, and some of my friends that are school teachers said they have like elementary school kids saying that that's their favorite song right now, and I'm like, oh my god, we're we're just screwing it up again. We're screwing it up because it's like I'm all about like I'm 29 and a sexually active single woman, so walk. I should be able to blast that and not be ashamed, but also like eight-year-old girls should not know the lyrics. And so I'm like, we are just so backwards in this country. It's true. It's so true. It is. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. That is that scary balance. balance. It is true, you know. But but can I say this? One good thing would be if we were able to socialize talking about Mm -hmm. sexuality in a more normal way at home. You know, it's such an awkward conversation for so many people. If we could make it less awkward, it would be so much better. And then I wouldn't have to be so disturbed by young girls listening to WAP because I would know hopefully they're having constructive dialogue around it and that it's not just about like how wet you can get. And if you're not wet, you're broken or something like that. Right. Like, exactly. yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, well, I could literally talk to you forever. Um, I really want to be your friend. You are amazing. I like that. We have last two questions that our listeners love. The first one is, you know, we have a lot of aspiring femtech founders that listen. What's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Well, there's no question sexual dysfunction. I mean, there's no question. And so libido, sex drive, sexual dysfunction, it really does need innovating because basically women need something that's really efficacious, that works, you know, 80, 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. And the difference is, is that when you talk about erectile dysfunction, right, versus sexual dysfunction for women, Mm -hmm. it's physiological, right? There's differences. But erectile dysfunction Either your penis is not erect or it is, okay? I mean, there you go. But with women, sometimes there's emotional factors, not just the physical factors. Yeah. So there's, it's a totally different 
understanding, right? Chemically and physically. And so if somebody could really lean into that, I, I, it would be game changing. There yeah. would be like gold. Their company would be gold. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a hugely underserved market. I do. And the other market, which is selfish, because I wish I would do anything to be 29, by the way, but I'm 51 and I am full on in menopause. <laughs> Too much information, but just so you know. But if there was something non-hormonal for the symptoms of menopause, mm. non-hormonal for the symptom yeah. of menopause, I think it would be great because they are pretty intense. I, I, yeah. I would tell you, they are intense. Wow. So those are the two areas that I would say, non-hormonal menopause and sexual dysfunction, anything with high efficacy, but really looking at the female patient and understanding that it's not just about orgasm for some women. Mm. It's really about, you know, something more, you know, yeah. psychological. Yeah, I love that. Well, we have a lot of really, really smart people from around the world. They reach out to me. I'm like, y'all are super qualified. Do you want to host the show? Um, so, <laughs> uh, someone's going to be working on it soon enough. I know it. And our last question is um, the femtech industry as a whole. What do you think we, we need the most right now in order to be successful? Um, I guess I would say, I would say two things. I would say first, investment. I mean, I know it's Captain Obvious. I know that it is. And I'm sorry to be so Captain Obvious, but investment is game changing. It is. It's game changing. And and if there were more VCs, I mean, the one, you know, something interesting is that I got this statistic and it said that VC industry was developed at a time when women couldn't even take out loans on their own. Okay. <gasps> so it was brought to market when women couldn't even get loans without their male partner co-signing. Oh and then listen to this. It also says that by 2027, gynecological, reproductive health, and sexual health will represent a $47.8 billion market. So, so the one thing I would say is that if we could figure out how to get more funding available for these smart, creative, amazing women who are doing this great stuff. And, and, and by the way, even capitalistic people, I say to them, you know when you said a niche market, okay? We have a niche market in contraception. I say, yes, we do. Guess why? 5% of the market is billions of dollars. We just have to get 1 million women to use Fexi. That's a billion-dollar market opportunity. Niche, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it all day wow, long. Right? Yeah. But we need these investors. And I, I honestly, I know that that's you know, a tough thing to say, but it's really true. That's yeah. the one thing that would really be game-changing. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I like to say, well – if you're not passionate about vaginas, although I think you should be, like, if you want money, if you want to be rich, like, here's your opportunity, you know, like, yes. um, if you don't want to talk about vaginas, no worries, I can talk about it, but like, you should give your money over here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's really a huge, huge, huge market. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, Sandra, you are a rock star. You are amazing. Thank this you. is Sorry. so much fun. Um, I, uh, I'm just blown away. This is so awesome. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I loved being here. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to my interview with Sandra Pelletier, CEO of EvoFem. Our mission at Femtech Focus isn't just to have a stellar podcast. We, Dr. Julie Hakeem and I, founded this nonprofit with a goal to improve women's health and wellness by grooming the next EvoFen biosciences of the world. What do I mean by that? Well, I want femtech companies to be such a norm that our companies experience the breadth of an enterprise journey from fundraising to exit. 
Exiting a company isn't just that you make a big fat paycheck. It also means that the market finds your product so valuable that it knows it needs it and therefore is a sustainable business. Technology, services, and products for women's health are part of a trillion-dollar she economy. Having a company exit should be a norm, not a unicorn. That's why we exist at Femtech Focus, to keep you abreast to what's happening in the industry so you can leverage every opportunity until you're at your exit. Before there was an exit, there was a woman behind the company, like Sandra and our other inspiring guests. Alrighty, Fem fans, if you love our content, then please consider donating to Femtech Focus, which is a nonprofit organization. Your contributions go directly to helping us elevate the Femtech industry. You can also support the show by sharing it with a friend, subscribing, and leaving a review. To stay up to date with Femtech news and events, subscribe to our newsletter and join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating. Because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.